0: Welcome to the Worship Leader Essentials Podcast, brought to you by Worship Catalyst. Worship Catalyst is a nonprofit ministry built to help people find and worship Jesus by mentoring and training worship leaders and their teams. This podcast is part of that mission. In the next few minutes, it is our goal to help you do more with less. For more information and resources or to connect with us, please visit worshipcatalyst.com. We're so glad you're here today. Let's learn together. Hey uh, everybody, welcome again to the Worship Leader Essentials Podcast. I'm Austin Ryan, your host as always, and I've got uh, in the podcast today with me a good friend named John Acosta. How's it going, John?
1: Man, good to have, good to be a part of this, and uh, it's going great. It's been going absolutely
0: splendid, as we would say here. Cool, man. Well, um, John and I are going to have a really good conversation here in just a minute. Let me kind of here's a problem that you've got. Maybe you know you've got this problem, maybe you don't know you've got this problem. I hope you know you have this problem, because if you don't, then it's going to sneak up on you and kill you. But you have an issue, just like every single worship leader and pastor and team leader and business leader and every leader, of making sure that every single person on the team is going in the same direction methodologically and philosophically. Uh, and the clarity of vision on that is really, really, really important. And I want to dive into that uh, a little bit today, and and how we can navigate some of the most important decisions that we have to make as leaders, keeping this in mind that we have to keep everybody on the same page. And so this is for everybody today. You know, this is for every single leader. And uh, I'm excited to have John. So John, tell us a uh, little bit who you are and uh, where you serve and what you do. Yeah. So. John Acosta. I've been uh,
1: married now six years. I have a two-year-old son, Matthew, um, who is a little blonde-haired, blue-eyed little kid who looks like my mom's clone. Uh, I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually half Finnish, and then on my biological father's side, uh, he's from Trinidad and Tobago by way of India. Um, but then when my mom was two years old, she married a Colombian guy who later on we would uh, uh, pastor a church and so I've been in the Hispanic church realm for pretty much my whole life and uh, now I am the worship leader at one of the Spanish campuses of family church here located in West Palm Beach and a part of what I do is I, I tell people all the time it's like what do you do all week if all you do is you know you lead worship on Sunday. Uh, I would say the music side of things is about five percent of the different responsibilities and and things that I do, because most of it is administrative, it's preparing content, it's translating content, and uh, for the most part, solving problems that, uh, you know, not, weren't necessarily my responsibility. But at the end of the day, you know, I feel like God will give us tools to be able to do what we can, when we can do it, and uh, yeah, just taking action on on those things. And And I'm telling you, it's probably one of the most fulfilling points not just in ministry, but in my work, personal life. I'm currently, I'm 29, so I haven't had too much uh, work experience. However, when it comes to ministry, I've been, I feel like I've been doing ministry since I was about seven
0: or eight. So yeah,
1: yeah, it's going That's on. That's a lot of years, it's man, to years. be doing yeah.
0: ministry, uh, starting that early. So John, there in South Florida, where, where Family Church is, you guys have got a lot of campuses, yeah, uh, as a part of Family Church. How many How many is that right now?
1: Yeah, so we currently have 13 campuses. Um, okay,
0: and how many of those are yeah.
1: Spanish-speaking? So out of those, we have what are called language campuses. Um, okay. And we've got, currently, we have three operating Spanish language campuses. We've got a fourth that we're about to launch officially in June of next year. And uh-huh. then we also have a Portuguese-speaking campus. Uh, Uh, Congregation um, as well. So there's a total of five language campuses, campuses that we currently
0: have. So there's like so many different levels of conversation here because, um, and so this is where it fits everybody. Because here's the three levels for John. Number one, whenever, whenever Family Church wants to, um, like roll out or experiment with something, they start at his Green Acres campus, um. And then they spread it out to the other language campuses and some of the other, you know, English speaking campuses and all that kind of stuff. So it's like a real, uh, a real experimental experiential or experimental kind of place.
1: Yeah. I'm just the type of guy that likes to take risks and stuff. (laughs) A lot of it, a lot of it just comes, comes down to the fact that, um, you know, we, we become this, uh, testing ground, uh, for operating, whether it be new software, new processes. And, um, and that's been, it's been great because it, forces you to be stretched out in ways, you know, you didn't think you could be.
0: I love it. I love it. And so and so, John's got this level of this multi-church, like larger staff, kind of executive staff slash local church staff, all this kind of stuff. So that's one level. The second level is his local church staff of him and his pastor and a couple other people or whatever, they are in this process of building a church, like a campus, a standalone church. Um, so there's a leadership dilemma, and then the third one is, John's in charge of a creative arts ministry uh, within this local church, which most of you as listeners, like, live in that world. You live in both those worlds of being a, a staff person of a local church, as well as a, a leader of a ministry, like a creative arts ministry, worship ministry, whatever it is. And so, and so, John, I want to kind of get into this, because this really is an important conversation, and that is uh, navigating philo- philosophy and Methodology as it relates to uh, worship ministry and staffing and resource stewardship, and you know, just being doing the best we can with what we have and all of that. And so, let me just let me just ask you, man, like, um, you've obviously done a lot of thinking about this kind of stuff, and so, like, as you think about it on so many different levels, why is this such an important issue? I mean, what are what can what goes wrong? What are some of the various like different philosophies and methodologies that people on a team might have that are different from one another?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, I think the biggest challenge when it comes to this is the fact that we are working with people. (laughs) I mean, we are broken people. That's always a problem. Yeah, that's always a problem. So, we're constantly having to navigate, first and foremost, different ways of thinking different ways of comprehension that people might have uh, interpretation that people might have uh, when it comes to certain things. Uh, but beyond that, now, when we're talking more of a of a hands-on approach in ministry, you've got a host of different philosophies when it comes to, you know, how you uh, would order your service. So how would you have your liturgy, uh, the different methods, if you're going to have a full on, you know, a uh, nine piece band, if you're going to just do, you know, so there's a lot of different uh, conflicting uh, thought pro- And none of them are inherently bad. I think there's always a place uh, for every different expression when it comes to worship. But the m- thing with different philosophies and methodologies is that if you're in an environment that has, especially when you have really high capacity leaders and high capacity Uh, volunteers even that have a a personality a really strong personality like you gotta you're you're either going to get into a situation where you're going to find ways to best put them in the position to succeed or you're going to cause an issue or you're going to end up having an issue simply because when it comes to really strong personalities and differentiate different uh, philosophies you're bound to have a conflict of interest that could really cause a uh, serious harm, not just for um, the sake of uh, your unity as a team, but even in your church. I mean, it, it one, those little things are like cancer. I mean, it'll eventually spread yeah. to the point of, uh, of, of just death essentially. For lack of you know,
0: reason. that's interesting. You talk about strong personalities and strong leaders. It's like, it's like a catch 22 in some ways because you want those people because mm-hmm. they're usually the strong personality and the, you know the big people with the confidence and all that—they're the ones that move ministry forward, but they're also the ones that we have to try to somehow rein in. You don't want yeah. just a bunch of like yes people and wallflowers and all that kind of stuff, and yet they're the ones that'll do exactly what you ask. And so, yeah, you see where that could be it's, kind of a—it's
1: it's interesting because like I myself would consider myself a very complicated and and uh, type A personality type <laughs> of a person. Sure. Um, and so, but the one thing that um, I think I've had people in my life that have been key to speak into me and and the way, especially right now, uh, I think the number one person is my wife. And if there has okay. been one person that has really, I would say, spoken life into me when it comes to those specific things, it's been her. Uh, but beyond that, my pastors and leaders that I work with. But yeah, man, I mean. When it comes to that, it, it takes a difficult person to understand difficult people, so uh, let me yeah. tell you that there's a lot of uh different ways that that can go about
0: yeah well i've been um I've been at this a little bit longer uh I'm a little bit older than you, John, and so we'll just leave it just at Just a that. little bit just a little bit <laughs> and, and, and it's interesting to see the different philosophies, and you know one of one of the things we talk about uh, quite a bit is that if you don't have clarity of mission then you'll have a lot of missions. Like there is mission and every single person has mission. Every single person has a reason that they're standing there on your platform or in your sound booth or anywhere on your team. Everybody has a reason. And the problem with one person's being, we want to, you know, my mission is to sound the best. Like we need to be the best sounding band in the city. And others might be, um, we need to have the best technology that there could possibly be to solve every problem. The next person's might be, uh hey i just want to worship god and another one's might be i just want to serve god or something like that and so like they they define their own win and so for us as leaders it seems like we have to always like make sure that we all have the same win so that people don't you know consider you know hey the guitar solo was amazing Sunday was successful, you know, or whatever it might be, you know, whatever somebody's personal yeah, people, people's,
1: expe- people's level of expectation, like a lot of times, and I, I fall into this too, because I think the number one mistake that us creatives will make is that our level of expectation of what a win is, is way up here. Yeah, But then the people that are giving us these directives, their level of expectation is not as high. And that is not necessarily an inherently bad thing. It's just that we're constantly trying to get to this thing. And it a lot of times, and I've had to check myself with this, it's a pride thing that we want to achieve certain things because it seems to be the universal standard when it comes to, you know, worship. Like we look at Hillsong, we look at uh, Elevation or any one of these, you know, larger ministries, especially when it comes to worship. And we think we need to sound like them. We need to look like them. A lot of times, even how we roster our teams, we try to do so in a way that essentially mimics mm-hmm these different and those will like it's hard to to replicate something if you are not sp- have if you don't have the same ingredients you know right. and so you have to take a, a an account for that and so that i mean i'm telling you that that has been one of the things that even here, i hear i can't speak a lot of you know certain uh like other churches but i mean when it comes to our church i think having a clear distinction of what is it our mission vision uh our core values i think for me it helps me go a long way to understand and kind of keep myself in check to where i know okay this is the line and i got to step back a little bit
0: yeah that's good man so how do you, how do you get them there john what's what are some of the components uh to getting everybody on the same page both philosophically and methodologically
1: well i mean the main one is to establish a clear vision establish a clear path um and establishing being able to understand what is it that you are trying to do and uh, one of the ways to do that is at, let's let's speak practically for a second. Um, when yep. it comes to that, uh, when I got to Family Church uh, specifically my, my campus, which is Iglesia Familiar Green Acres, I remember sitting down with Pastor De Silva, who's my pastor, and I remember having a conversation with him about, hey, what is it that is the, what is the goal? Like, what are we what are we trying to do? What what would you like to see um, happen on a Sunday to Sunday basis? Um, and then beyond that, it was just kind of like a lot of it wasn't as like direct conversation, him telling me this is what I want. This is what I don't want. It was a, a simple get to know you type of a conversation that essentially led to many other moments where I would then kind of like take mental notes. So when we would do certain things, you kind of like stretch it, stretch uh, and push the number a little bit in certain areas and see, OK, you know, what was the reaction here, whether good, bad um, and and things like that. That helped, I think, put us in a position to where now it's almost like we're mind reading each other. Where I know yeah. immediately what he's trying to accomplish, whether it be in the middle of a sermon. Him, like I, I can almost feel like we don't we don't necessarily plan out or script uh, end of uh, service like come forward moments or any or anything like that. Sometimes he will let me know that hey, I want to do something here, and sometimes it'll be more of a I can kind of feel that where he's headed. Is going to require almost a a certain element towards the end, and but a lot of it again, it, it all comes back to making sure that my what I think needs to happen does not succeed that which the direction in which I think our uh, our lead pastor is is taking yeah. us, and and you can do that without being a yes man. Like you can have a strong personality. And without feeling like you have to be a pushover, and that everything that you know the lead guy says goes, you, there there is a place in which you can appeal and say, "Hey, let's why don't we try this?" And a place in which you show over a course of time that you are responsible enough to, um, and you could be trusted with. Uh, making specific decisions of that nature.
0: Yeah, that's good, man. That's good. So, so there's clarity of vision. There's clarity of direction. There's clarity of when. And usually, the lead pastor is the one that like sets that for the church. And then we kind of set that for the for the creative arts team as worship yeah. leaders, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. and so, what are some of the ways or the components? What are the essential things that you utilize to make that a reality?
1: So, on a practical level, uh, we have. Um, a terminology that we use at family church uh which uh, essentially is we try to redirect like our our purpose for worship uh mini- worship ministry whether that be in um in our day-to-day or our week-to-week Sunday mornings uh experiences uh we have a focus on we're trying to redirect people's worship back to God so essentially we we mm. we have this understanding People, when they come to our churches, they are coming with all of the burdens that they've had to deal with throughout their week, and so a lot of times they're going to have uh, things that are in their life that, you know, call it idols or call it uh, things that are uh, worries to them. That you know, when it comes to worship, you are giving attention to, and so these folks they come into our our church, and so we established Pastor Christian Ramos, who's our lead worship pastor for the Family Church uh, Network of Churches. Um, he he him and his team uh, initially developed uh, the whole core values and, and mission statement. I would say uh, for what we do, and that's helping others to redirect their worship to Christ, and so that is number one because then everything becomes a we're redirecting people's worship to Christ type of a conversation. So like, we'll have a thing where, you know, I've had conversations where people will ask me, Oh, why don't we do this song? Or why don't we do that? And, um, and, and we don't want to necessarily dismiss what people's suggestions or opinions are, but we Mm -hmm. have to find a way for them to understand, Hey, this isn't necessarily about doing the types of songs that are for lack of a better term hits or that they're, they are the it songs of the moment What we're trying to do is we're trying to help people to redirect their worship to Christ in what we sing. And then there's a reason as to why we would sing what we sing. Um, And and also the other thing that's practical for us, too, is we have like a specific, um, uh, I would say, I don't want to say it's interesting because family church, we're 13 campuses. Right. And every one of these campuses has their own worship culture identity. So we all have specific things within each of our churches that are kind of like branded distinctives of each one of our churches and so like for us we're we're more of a you know we'll sing some hymns we'll sing some uh modern contemporary uh songs but we're also sing some oldies i think for for the ink for the anglo crowd would be the equivalent of singing like the old integrity and uh (laughs) type stuff yeah Um, but, you know, we have to understand that in our context, we've got folks who have been, you know, Baptists since they were born. Essentially, we've got yeah. folks that this is their first church experience. We've got folks from the charismatic or Pentecostal uh, background, which I technically come from as well. Yeah. Um, and so, like, we're finding we're not catering to people, but we're finding ways that we can reconcile all of these differences that we might have within our own congregation. And then we're trying to as a me as a worship leader, I'm trying to also get my team to understand the same thing that, hey, we've got a wide variety of people. So then it causes them to actually, OK, consider the needs of others, consider uh, the people that we have, because we're not just trying to sing for singing's sake, because for that, you know, we can do Christian karaoke whenever we want. You know what I'm saying? like There's <laughs> right. got to be a purpose behind it. And yeah. so that's helped me specifically. Um, in how we we get across i mean i would say man in all my years doing worship like in, in, as far as like worship as a as a job so working at a church specifically as a worship leader i've had a chance to do it uh, before coming to family church i was at a christian reform church um mm-hmm. and then i was at uh, before that i was at a mega church environment so we had all of these different um experiences worship experiences but when it comes to the actual culture of the worship team per se the worship culture that is currently here at my campus it's not because i'm here working now it's simply because it's something that it's even beyond me like i've had conversations even with pastor de Silva that man I, I don't understand it like this is this is crazy but all of that stems from having a clear vision and a clear distinction of why you do what you do yeah it's helped us incredibly
0: Oh for sure man and I love I love the way you guys state that cuz it almost says like everybody worships we're just trying to help them redirect that worship back right. to God. Everybody worships something or something. I love that. So how do you communicate that like what are some of the components of how you communicate that to your team to make sure that everybody on your team is on the same page with that vision?
1: Well, the main one is relationships. Um our the name of our church, Family Church, uh kind of like makes it Obvious to where we make an emphasis on family time, whether that be you know having people over for dinner, having our teams over. We actually uh, about a month ago we had a we had in Spanish we call it un asado. We had a barbecue uh, where I invited all of our worship and uh, and media team members, um, which actually even for us we consider worship and media, which in our in our context is production arts, we counted as one team. Um, in a sense. And, uh, and that's helped a lot um, to be more efficient when it comes to communicating uh, specific things. But when it comes to culture, um, communicating, like, where are we trying to go? And why are we trying to go there? um, Yeah, for, for lack of a better term, but basically, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's more of a, I remember one of the things that I did when I when I got here, too, is I sat down with each of each one of our team members on a one on one basis and try to get to know them a little bit. And um, not necessarily uh, go to the extent of it, but I almost would make like a psychological profile of of these uh, folks and try to understand like who they are as an individual and how how to get the most out of them. Um, to the point where you know you, uh, uh, finding ways to put them in pl- in areas that will help them succeed, and that alone has helped us avoid problems when it comes to. Um, whether it be culture issues, drama, the random drama that, you're, that you you that that can happen when it comes to worship, media, um, you know, and also just trying to get, uh, trying to understand that, hey, when things go wrong, how we react to things is a huge deal too. So like, you know, that alone has helped culture to the point where, and here's the thing, it's not easy for me because I, like I said, I'm a complicated type A personality. So when things go wrong, I want an explanation as to why it went wrong. Uh, but I also have to understand I have to give grace. I have to give uh, a, a place for people to it's OK to fail so that, you know, they will try harder next time and they actually give a um, a more intentional effort to uh, to do all this. And it's just it's been great because when you do that, when you really have this relationship time with these people, like you're going to find yourself in situations in which, man, it's like things are just handling themselves and you don't have to worry yeah. about it.
0: You know, I love that so much. There's a trend, John. uh, I don't know if you've seen this in the churches that you've served and worked with in your network, but man, there's this trend of, of musicians showing up on Sunday morning, and that's the only time that they ever see each other. Uh, You know, it used to be in the old days, there was always, you know, Wednesday night rehearsal or Thursday night rehearsal or whatever and stuff. And so there's this trend of, oh, we just want to keep it shorter and shorter and thin slice it and thin slice it and thin slice it. And then we have tracks now. So it's easy. So people don't have to be perfect and all this kind of stuff. And Man, the thing that you're talking about there, where there's family and relationship and communication that takes place on a consistent basis, that's the thing that you lose yeah. in that environment, you know. And you may lose some musicianship and things like that over time as well. But it is really difficult to communicate vision through relationship when Sunday morning is the only time you ever see each other. Yeah. And, so, and,
1: and you know, that's 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 actually one of our our distinctives even at family church philosophically. Family church, we have midweek rehearsals but the purpose for these midweek rehearsals is specifically for time for these folks to be able to have time together to fellowship study the bible together now the thing the thing about that too is that sometimes it's not possible like i remember when covid happened um we actually could no longer do that because number one we were trying to avoid extra exposure And then number two, um, eventually, once we got back into our normal swing of things, it's just we I no longer had the bandwidth to do it. And a lot of our other folks now are working multiple jobs at a time. And so now I had to worry about, okay, I can't put these people in a position to where they're going to get burnt out. So I got to find a different way to do that, to do this. Um, And. A lot of it too, is just, like I said, having this extra time with the folks, even after like a service, we'll have a service. And then in between, we'll have some time together in uh, not in a green room, because we don't do green rooms at family church either. We just get together in a random room and just, you know, see how everybody's doing. And we'll we'll, we'll study a, uh, a passage in scripture um, or just to hang out a little bit. Um, because again, like that's the area of You know, of connection that these people want. And the other side of it, too, like when it comes to working with professional musicians is also really complicated, too, because, you know, a lot of times um, and I remember because I was a I was at one point a professional musician, you know, basically just picking up gigs. And a lot of it is just you show up, you play what you got to play and you leave. And there's no more connection beyond that. But because I know what it is like to be a professional musician, I went away, went beyond of just, hey, how are you doing? Uh, Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for playing. Goodbye Uh, to a hey, man, like, how's your wife doing? How's your family doing? How are the kids doing? Is there anything we could do for you? Hey, why don't you come over to eat um, to my house? And that's weird to them, like as a professional musician for them to be you know, introduced to this different thing, (laughs) it's weird to them. And then the other thing too, is like, we're, we don't, we don't have an exorbitant budget to be able to pay a ton of money to contracted musicians. So then now, not only are we able to have this ministry time with, you know, uh, our volunteers, but now our, uh, some of our contracted guys, they don't feel so I would say expectant of, Hey, um, Where's my check, or hey, this or who that, you know what I'm saying, so yeah, it really helps out uh when it
0: comes to all of that, yeah, that's good, man. I love that well, um, so I know John, for you, you've mentioned before this there's a passage in Titus chapter three that kind of drives some of this mentality and thought on you um what what's behind that so the main thing with that, and I remember when
1: uh when we were- sp- when we were speaking about you know doing this podcast was uh, resolving uh, a lot of the conflicts that will come up when it comes to worship ministry, when it comes to church in general. Yeah. Um, And this is like, I had a pastor tell me one time, um, everything you do, especially when you're in this church context, but even outside of church. So whether you're working at a print shop, uh, whether you're working as a janitor at a school or whatever, you need to consider yourself uh above reproach and so Mm. part of it was like you're you have to forget about if you have or don't have the title or or the ordination or any of that or any of that stuff you have to act as such especially in those moments when uh folks are not you know watching and then the other thing is too is uh Avoiding at all costs, you know, like, you know, the scripture in Titus three, uh, verse nine says, you know, avoiding foolish controversy, controversies, uh, mm-hmm. dissensions, quarrels, uh, and this is spe- specifically speaking about the law itself, but like you could take this as well in a sense of how you how what, how you live your life, how you do things um, in your different ministers, like you, you have to avoid at all costs, um, having these things that can take you into a position of having dissension and, and, and issues. And so that, that, that's the, that's the main thing. And I, and I, uh, I I try to do um, an intentional effort. I try to make an intentional effort to, you know, all of our uh, high capacity volunteers is for them to understand, Hey, listen, you're not just a uh, whether it be a guitar player or singer, you're a pastor, like you are a minister of the gospel. Um, in what you do and, and it helps them to understand that, okay, if there's an issue, I need to approach this, not as my type a personality, you know, but as how would a pastor, like, first of all, <laughs> this is going to go really like cliche, but what would Jesus do? Who was the pastor, the good shepherd, you know? And so it's how, how you, uh, react to things. How do you approach things? I mean, that that's where this comes from, um, uh, on a practical level for us.
0: Yeah, that's so good, man. I love that, and I love the idea of really raising the bar of how people see themselves in ministry. Like, because that's there's a couple of language things that we use on that 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 are exactly the same philosophy you have. And one of them is um, everybody's a worship leader. Yeah, you know, it's not just the guy with the microphone with the skinniest jeans or the best tattoos or whatever. I mean, it's like it's like the drummer and the guitar player and the tech person and the pastor and the person giving announcements. Like everybody is going to God and taking other people with them. Like they're leading worship in their own way. And so you can't just be like, well, I'm just the, I'm just the bass player. No, that's not it. You're You're a worship leader who plays bass, right? Yeah. And then the other thing is we have done our best to 95% of the time, get out of the, using the word volunteer. And the reason is because, um, the reason is because the the word volunteer means that you are doing something and not getting paid for it because mm-hmm. because there was a need and you're filling the need right like there's a you're volunteering to go take bottles water bottles to a storm area or something like that right like there's a need I'm gonna go fill the need I think there's a difference when it comes to worship leading at mm-hmm. any position. And that is that God has done two things to every single person on your team. Number one, He's equipped them with some sort of skill to be used for the kingdom of God. And He's called them to use that skill. That is not filling a hole that needs to be filled. That is being obedient to Jesus. Yeah. And those are two very different things. You know what I mean? Absolutely. They're still not getting paid, but the only difference between you as a full-time staff person and your bass player as a non paid bass player, the only difference that you have is the amount of money that you get paid. Because you're both equipped and called to serve Absolutely. God in a certain way. Absolutely. And you're and you're equally, equally important to him in his kingdom mission and vision and all that kind of stuff. So um, I love that you guys, man, we're all on the same page with that, obviously. Um, yeah, so. and
1: it's interesting when you use that terminology, too, of uh, of everyone is a worship leader. That's literally, like, so I, I've had conversations with folks about that very thing. And yeah. uh, and a, a lot of that is, is it helps to put people's heart in the right place as well. Um, and even see things in the way that, like, a worship leader would see them is like, okay, you know, what's coming next? It's uh those are all things that have to go in in your mind as a worship, but also what am I doing that might be causing a distraction?
0: <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. From those
1: around me. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, awesome, bro. It's so good to talk to you, John. Thank you for your time. Is there anything else anything else on your mind you want to bring up before we call it quits today?
1: Man, I just want to say, if you guys have not read Radical Worship Solution, (laughs) please do so. I wanted to actually mention, we're actually going through the book with our team, with all of our uh, family church worship leaders. Um, And so currently we're on chapter four. Um, And so we're we're using that as a tool um, to help equip our teams. And I am, you know, you want to talk about um, uh, using us as a guinea pig for new things. We're in fact using the seven rules of uh, the seven rules uh, tool that worship catalyst has. Yeah. And I got to say, man, that has revolutionized how we do things here specifically at my campus. It was so funny because I had a conversation with um, not, not even a conversation. I was just uh, observing one of our worship leaders um, who at that time she was Doing producing. So she was producing our service and kind of like I tell her, listen, when you're in this seat, you're telling us all of us what to do. Um, (laughs) And, you know, but she was going above and beyond. I mean, for everything from having conversations with the pastor about, hey, this is the order of service. This is what we're doing. These are the elements. Is there anything you need, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then even then, like you see them react when it comes to different um scenarios that you know tech issues will happen no matter what, no matter how much you try to prepare for them, you will have tech issues inevitably. Yes. But to see how she was approaching all of these things, and I told her after the service, like, you know, why you know why everything is going so smooth is because you approach this like a worship leader.
0: Oh, uh, so and good. And
1: so that and, and it's funny because like she's not one of our A plus singers in terms of vocal talent. But when it comes to heart, when it comes to uh, just willingness to serve, um, you know, it's one of those things that, man, when you find those type of people, you know, they may not be the best at what they do, but holy moly, they they will be crucial parts of your team. And I know for a fact that that seven roles of worship uh, leadership has been crucial to our development and will continue to do so.
0: That's awesome. Well, there's a course on that, uh, since you mentioned it, available at uh under the resources. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a super great course that you can take with your team and it makes a huge difference. And we can come in and add more layers to that and help you guys instill it uh, as you do that. Um, also, Radical Worshipism, by the way, is in Spanish now available. See. So that's cool. All right. Well, John, God bless you, man. Thanks so much for your time today, and uh, look, we'll, uh, we'll do this again. There's a lot of little things you talked about that I would like us to talk about way more when we have more time. So anyway, God bless you, man. Have a great Thanks day. Thanks so much. Hey, uh, everybody, thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe and uh, also follow us on uh, social media at Worship Catalyst, and we love you very much, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode. See you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Worship Leader Essentials podcast. We'll be back soon with another helpful episode. For more information and resources, or to connect with us, please visit worshipcatalyst.com.